Lorraine in Spain. Falls mainly on Lorraine. Who is this Lorraine? I'm really far away from my mic. I don't today. know, but she lives on a plane apparently. Which you wouldn't think you'd be able to live on a plane because you think, you know, when the cabin crew come round and tidy up, they'd find you. Unless you're in one of the overhead bins, mate. I thought the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane meant like a plane of land, not no, a vehicle. I thought it was like uh, a Boeing 747. Yeah, it's just one plane in Spain. It just it's all just the a, rain just, falls. Just on the it. one plane, actually. Yeah, that's why the rest of Spain is so hot because all the rain falls on one plane. Wow. And they keep it out at an airport on its own. I, I just imagined a big field. Oh, well, there you go. You see, that's where you've gone wrong. Hello, and welcome to Stories of Strangeness, episode 37. I'm your host, Zoe, and this is my minion, Mike. Hello. No, not really. It's okay. a It's a co-host thing. And, well, you know him already. It's co-host, a Mike. producer, editor. Does most of the work. Does most of the marketing. <laughs> I just sit, speak occasionally. Looks at the analytics. That kind of stuff. You do all the important things. I do most of it, love. You just write and do the odd episode. That's I, it. I'm just your wall that you bounce off. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's a you episode today, isn't it? It is a me episode, yes. Off you go then, love. Episode 37, Polybius Ultra. Okay. This sounds like a mixture of that moon right. and the mind control. Moon well, moon control? Not quite, but oh. you might be onto something with mind control. So, I'm quite fond of video games, as is Zoe. Zoe's favourites include Skyrim, the Fallout series, and Left 4 Dead. I like The Witcher 3, Titanfall 2, and Ghost of Tsushima, along with various MMORPGs, and lots of others. As a young man, I would walk a couple of miles from my small northern town to the small northern seaside town next door to play on the arcades on the weekend, armed with as much loose change as I could muster. This was when home consoles had no hope of emulating the graphics of games in the arcades, which were the cutting edge for the time. I remember marvelling at the incredible 2D cartoon graphics of Dragon's Lair when it came out, although I think I only ever played it once. I spent hours trying to learn the moves of Street Fighter 2 and games like Virtua Fighter and Tekken which heralded the introduction of 3D graphics. I remember the outrage that Mortal Kombat created with its realistic rotoscoped graphics and gory fatalities. I remember the tabloids at the time blaming violent crime on violent video games, including and inciting a moral panic, just like when they'd previously blamed it on video nasties in the 80s, and even further back on horror comics, and even on pulp novels, although that last one was before my time. I remember Mortal Kombat coming out on the SNES, with the blood changed to sweat flying off the fighters. I remember other supposedly crime-inducing games over the years, like Postal, where you played a man evicted from his home who believes that the US Air Force is releasing poison gas in his town, and so goes on a rampage, massacring people. Or like Doom, where you played as a space marine, shooting his way through the denizens of hell. Or even Grand Theft Auto where you stole cars, took on missions as a hitman, yes. and could engage in sex with prostitutes. Or run them over. 
Well, yeah. And then you ran through the blood, and then there were bloody footprints. Yep. Oh, my goodness. I or remember. you could engage the prostitute, refuse to pay a killer, and run away. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But Mortal Kombat Grand Theft Auto et al. are not the most dangerous video game to have been made. That accolade goes to a relatively unknown game called Polybius, sometimes with the suffix Ultra. Oh my goodness. Polybius was discovered in an arcade in Portland, Oregon in 1981, a time before the internet was around to proliferate stories, and things got around by word of mouth. The name Polybius comes from a philosopher from ancient Greece born around 208 BC in Megalopolis, Arcadia. Interestingly, Doomed Megalopolis was an old-school anime film, and the name Arcadia shows up in our episode on Renle Chateau. Polybius was known for his affinity for puzzles and cryptography, and created the Polybius Square. The word Polybius itself actually means many lives, which is a staple of many video games. And I've double-checked that with a Greek chap that I work with, and he says Polybius definitely means many lives. Excellent. Around February of 2000, a listing for the game showed up on coinop.org, a database and museum for arcade games. The page mentioned that Polybius was copyrighted in 1981, although apparently no such copyright exists or has ever been registered. The page says the game was weird-looking, kind of abstract, fast action with some puzzle elements. According to the page, as well as the general lore and urban myths around the game, It was to be found in only one or two backwater arcades in Portland, although other sightings have placed it in places like Iowa. The main crux of the story is that the game contains subliminal messages during gameplay, and kids who played the game suffered from a range of symptoms afterwards, including amnesia, night terrors, insomnia, nausea, hallucinations and seizures. Some of the kids who played it swore off video games forever, and one even became an anti-video game protester. One player, Bobby Feldstein, claims he was abducted one afternoon after playing the game at an arcade called Coin Kingdom and experiencing mind-altering side effects. According to Feldstein, he was led through a series of underground tunnels and was found the next day more than 60 miles from his house in the middle of Tillamook State Forest. He now gives for-profit Polybius walking tours around Portland as a way to exorcise my demons on a daily basis. Supposedly, people saw men in black suits, not to be confused with the men in black phenomenon who appear in connection with UFO and sometimes cryptid sightings, coming to collect data from the machines, apparently only interested in information about how the game was being played, when, and possibly by whom. These men would apparently remove circuit boards from the arcade cabinet, but never took a cut of the profits from the hundreds of quarters dumped into the machine by eager players. The prevailing theory is that the game was either created in whole by some dark governmental agency, or perhaps outsourced to a company, and was created as an experiment in mind control. Sounds far-fetched? Well, remember back in episode 21 we discussed MKUltra, a CIA-funded series of experiments on mind control that actually happened in the 1960s, involving LSD, sensory deprivation and torture. Perhaps aiming a video game with subliminal effects at teens isn't beyond the pale for a government that was prepared to dose cancer patients with LSD just to see what would happen. 
The game is sometimes given the name Polybius Ultra, reminiscent of MK Ultra. The Ultra part in MK Ultra represented the Ultra level of security clearance, although it's not clear if this is the case with Polybius, as many games use the Ultra prefix or suffix to denote a particular version of the game, for example, Ultra Street Fighter 2, or just to sound cool, like the utterly hyperbolic Super Ultra Dead Rising 3 Arcade Remix Hyper Edition EX Plus Alpha. What? Yes. Which is a parody of other insanely long, genuine Capcom <laughs> games like Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix and Street Fighter X Plus Alpha. Wow. Coinop.org looked into the matter further and found that the game was credited to a company called Sinus Lurchen, which is kind of a bastardised mashup of two German words said to mean sense-deleting and can also be translated as sensory deprivation, although technically it's not a real German word, but more of a portmanteau. Polybius was claimed to be groundbreaking in its use of graphics too. Games of the time used either bitmap sprites, pixel-by-pixel -pixel drawings known as raster graphics, or vector graphics. The technologies behind these were radically different. Rasters used pixels, square blocks of colour, to display the games whereas vector graphics used mathematically derived lines to draw images on screen, similar to an oscilloscope. Polybius allegedly used a combination of both, which, if true, was a groundbreaking step that would have required specialised display hardware not available at the time as far as we know. There is even talk that the rumours surrounding the game formed the basis for the plot of the film The Last Starfighter, released in 1984. The film involves a young hero who is recruited to fight in an interstellar war by aliens after proving his skills on a video game cabinet called Starfighter that they put on Earth to find the best candidates. In September 2003, Polybius got its first mention in print in GamePro magazine in a feature story titled Secrets and Lies. This article exposed Polybius to a much larger audience. The article declares the existence of the game to be inconclusive, however, although this mysterious reference may have served more to stoke the fires of intrigue than to quell them. After the article came out, several people came forward to say that they had been involved with the development of the game in various capacities. One such man was Stephen Roach, who claimed to have been a programmer on the game. Roach said that after one boy had an epileptic seizure while playing, the cabinets were withdrawn by the company. Roach offered no evidence for his claims, but it's plausible that photosensitive epilepsy effects could have triggered seizures, as many modern games come with warnings about it for people who may be affected. Roach also offered some insights into the gameplay of Polybius, which inspired a later build of the game by a company called Rogue Synapse. You can download versions of the game on PC emulators today, but no one really knows if they are accurate to the original. It's worth noting that no one has ever successfully proven that Polybius ever actually existed. Sure, you can see supposed images of the arcade cabinets online as well as title screens and such, but all of these could have been easily mocked up in Photoshop. No authentic or verified ROMs or cabinets have ever been found. No gaming magazines in 1981 did a feature on it, and no contemporary newspaper articles mention the game or its supposed effects on the kids who played it which is suspect, as it would have made for quite the story. Of course, the obvious answer for the conspiratorially minded is that if it was a government-run mind-control operation, 
then it was covered up. The World Wide Web wouldn't be a thing for another eight years, and local media could be bought off or threatened into silence. In fact, there were instances of people falling ill while playing games. Michael Lopez of Beaverton, Oregon, collapsed with his first ever migraine after playing the game Tempest. Brian Mauro suffered stomach pains after playing Asteroids for 28 hours in an attempt to break a world record. Both happened in the same arcade in Portland on the same day in 1981. Then there's Jeff Daly and Peter Bukowski, both of whom died of heart failure while playing Berserk. All of these incidents were reported on by news media. Additionally, the FBI were monitoring some arcades during that time due to reports that people were gambling on high scores, and so staked out arcades for signs of drug deals, pickpocketing and gambling, recording high scores and even tampering with machines. Most of these things were going on in arcades of the time, and the FBI did in fact try to put cameras in Tempest arcade cabinets due to them having a glass bezel. This program was so extensive, it even caused a shortage of Tempest machines in the Seattle area in the early 80s. All of this could have led to the Men in Black rumours and the idea that people fell ill while playing. Writer Patrick Kellogg believes that people who claim to remember playing Polybius may have actually been playing a game called CubeQuest, the first ever game to use real-time 3D graphics that ran from a Laserdisc. The machine often broke down, requiring visits for maintenance, or being removed entirely, often not long after the cabinet appeared. Video game journalist Stuart Brown and creator of the documentary Polybius, the video game that doesn't exist, states that the Polybius legend began in 2000, with the publishing of the article on coinop.org by Kurt Collar, its owner. Collar is accused of starting the story intentionally, in order to drive traffic to his site. Brown could not find any mention of Polybius prior to the coinop.org article in 2000, making its 1981 origins doubtful. Brown also asserts that the alleged Usenet discussions about the game in 1994 were actually about the Pink Floyd-related Publius Enigma puzzle. Again, no records of this exist in the Usenet archives. Polybius has gone on to inspire other pop culture though, despite the fact that it may never have existed. Ernest Klein, author of Ready Player One, cites it as an inspiration for another of his books, Armada. Polybius also appeared in the episode of The Simpsons in 2006 called Please Homer Don't Hurt Them, and can be seen in the background of the Journey into Mystery episode of Marvel's Loki series, which I pointed out to you when we watched it. Which I don't remember. I know. <laughs> Nine Inch Nails, a favourite band of mine, also featured visuals from a Polybius game throughout the video for their 2017 single, Less Than, that were created by Jeff Minter from Llamasoft. Minter claims to have played the actual Polybius on an original arcade cabinet machine in a warehouse in Basingstoke, England. Llamasoft then went on to release a game called Polybius for the PlayStation 4, which hit the PS Online store on May 9, 2017 but Jeff says that his game, although inspired by the urban legend, does not attempt to replicate the gameplay, perhaps to avoid lawsuits from either Sinus Lurchen, the original alleged creators, or from angry gamers suffering the effects of mind control. Hmm. 
However, considering that many video games now offer incentives to keep playing, like gacha mechanics or loot of increasing rarity, as well as especially designed immersive worlds with addicting gameplay and drive players towards in-game purchases of cosmetic items, keys for loot boxes that contain skins, weapons, mounts and more, as well as using psychology-driven marketing utilising targeted ads that can follow you between apps and websites, and that targeting can be gleaned from your phone listening into your conversations, maybe Polybius was just setting the foundations for what author Shoshana Zuboff calls surveillance capitalism that permeates gaming as we know it today. What do you think? Okay, so you've got a game that potentially didn't exist. Yeah. But if you try to copy it, you might make the makers angry and get sued for them for copying something that they can't seem to prove existed in the first place. I think if the original creators wanted to sue you, they would have to prove evidence of it having existed in court. Yeah. By offering up something like evidence of original source code or something like that, or even you know, video of gameplay elements or something like that, which would have to have been time-stamped yeah. with 1981 but or 1980 when it was actually created, more likely. Surely someone out there has got enough money to go, well, let's see if this thing did exist. Let's try and make a copy and then see if they will sue us because we want to see the original 1981 source well, it's, code. it's been made at least twice because there was a company called Rogue Synapse that made a version of it that you can download on PC. There's the PlayStation 4 version, which I'm kind of tempted to look at. But he said it was just... It was more inspired by... Yeah. Yeah. But he claims to have actually played it on the original arcade cabinet in Basingstoke, of all places. That's weird, though. So it was like there's only been two recorded... Like instances, or did you say that like they only really have records of two of the actual games out and about in the wild? You no, know? so no, so basically, the original game has yeah. never been proven to exist. Yeah, I Jeff know. Minter said he played it. Yeah, but so, but from people's stories, it only seems to have been in two places. No, so there was. It was mostly around Portland, but it was in several arcades. In right. Portland. Okay. And then randomly also, in Basingstoke. Well, no, in Basingstoke, I think was more recent because, in theory, somebody had bought an old cabinet. Okay. As a collector or something like that. Yeah. And this Jeff Minter from Llamasoft had had the chance to play it. Okay. Which then went on to inspire him to create Polybius for the PlayStation okay. 4. So it's very localised when it was... Yeah, and the idea being that out. if it was a mind control experiment, you would start small, right? Exactly, yeah. And Portland, in one of the things I was listening to about it, because of some of the other research I did, they were saying that Portland had exactly the kind of market they were looking to install it in. So, for example, in America, if you want to make a new chain restaurant, you open it in San Antonio in Texas and you see how it does. And if it does well, there's a good chance it'll do well countrywide. So for some reason, they've narrowed down marketing to San Antonio to say the people in San Antonio love eating at chain restaurants so if you open one and it does well, there's a good chance it'll do well elsewhere kind of thing. And it's not just to that. You know, there are, there are places where when they do political polls, they poll particular places, towns, states, things like that, 
yeah. to get an idea because actually that represents a good cross-section of the public for yeah. example i mean it's so, like that with any business though isn't it like rest like restaurants and supermarkets in this country you know they're going oh we're releasing this but it's only going to be in a few yeah and and the reason they're doing that is to yeah. see if it does well and if it does well it'll it'll filter out yeah. to the rest so it's a it's a it's a way of companies dipping their toe in the water and not having to put too much money on the line if a product doesn't sell well. It was interesting when you said that, that the the men in black guys would come along mm. and take like the data, take but data out not the money. And yeah. I'm like, so, okay, so something... Which that sounds is, very kind of it's sinister very weird, government kind it? of thing. It's like most arcade cabinets are done on a kind of a... a profit share basis so yeah. the arcade gets some of the money and the people who actually own the cabinet get some of the money yeah or the cabinets are rented and then the arcade keeps all the money that goes yeah. into them but back in those days it was more common to do a profit sharing thing so normally people coming in to look at the machines service the machines whatever would be taking a cut of that money and apparently these guys did not did want not. any of it which would make sense if they were governmental operatives because they've already been funded, right? So they don't need the money. They certainly don't need, you know, 40 quids worth of quarters (laughs) unless they're going to roll them in a a sock and use them to assassinate somebody. I don't know. Well, yeah, quarters in a sock is an old, coins in a sock. Yeah. Yeah. It's an old uh, prison trick. Soap in a sock. That too, yeah. Yeah. And that's because it doesn't leave bruises. Which I, I don't understand. No, nor do I. Because I bruise when I look at something, I yeah. swear. Well, you're you're a peach, basically, aren't you, darling? Mm. In more ways than one. I feel like you're paying me a compliment. It's it's but, called a backhanded compliment. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But I'm I'm never um, I'm never sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the idea was that these guys were coming in and they were more interested in gathering data on how the game was played, Who, when the game was yeah. played, that kind of thing. Which, if you were doing some kind of mind control thing. But then again, would you not be monitoring the arcade in general with some kind of... How do you know that it didn't know, have a, a facing a forward-facing camera that yeah, they're well, actually recording it, it could have done, because like you say, they, they literally did... The FBI actually yeah. did that with Tempest yeah. because it had a glass bezel. Now, from everything I've heard, Polybius didn't have a glass bezel, but not, not to say they couldn't have hidden a camera somewhere else. Exactly, because then they could just say, right... We know I mean, the people that... they could just that... stop one on the wall behind it. But this is it. This is what I mean. So they're recording the people who play it. Yeah. And then they follow them out into the world. Yeah. And they and, see what they do. And in one case, allegedly abduct them. Exactly. So there could have been people who like, maybe there's people who played it once. Yeah. And they watched them for a bit and maybe they did something a little bit weird. Yeah. And they're like, okay. And then they look at the person who played it, I don't know, a couple of times a week for a little while. And they're like, oh. Yeah. And they went a bit squiffy. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's it, it doesn't seem to have had very kind of rigorous methodology as such. If if that was what was really going on, because as far as we know, well, I don't know. I mean, there's there's all sorts of scenarios you can conjure up. One guy said he got abducted and then they found him the next day. But he was sixty miles away from his home. Yeah. Which, if he was a a younger kid. Is a long bloody way. Yeah, and say back then was probably a long way to try. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's still a long way. I mean, I mean, that's almost to London from here. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a long way to get stuck. I mean, it, it might be that you could if try you're and in the middle of, it, but I if mean, you're in would... the middle of parts of rural America, sixty miles is your neighbour. You know. Yeah. 
but you know i remember when i when me and my dad went to america when i was 14 and we were driving i think it was while we were in arizona and there was a sign on the road that said eat at joe's cafe next right 200 miles and you're like that's Holy like shit. yeah that's like advertising a cafe in edinburgh you know or further possibly i'm not great on geography if you're I'm not honest. great on no. geography love that's well, it's got to be a couple of hundred miles to Edinburgh from here. More than a couple. Well, there you go. Well, anyway, <laughs> a lot more than a it's, couple. It's a long bloody way to okay, advertise so a cafe. Here's a rough, like roughing. It takes us about what an hour to drive to London from here. Yeah. How long did it? Miles. How long did it take us to drive to Edinburgh? I don't remember. Three, was, four, five. Oh my God, it was eight. Eight hours. Yes. Bloody hell! That was a long, long trip. <laughs> I'm amazed I made it. So am I now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. 60 miles from here puts you right on the coast near Southwold, out in the North Sea, just past Clacton, just shy of Southend-on-Sea, just shy of London, according to this. But that doesn't sound right, because I thought it was about 70 miles. Well, no, it's central London, but London's big, isn't it? Or Leicester. So... Mm. If he got found 60 miles from his home, that's like somebody from here turning up in Leicester, which means less to our American friends. But it's it's still a, you know, it's it's, it's a fair way to walk, put it that way. I wouldn't want to walk it. Oh, exactly. my goodness. 60 miles. So, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, we think he probably was in a car or something. Well, there's a good chance, isn't there? If, if the story is true at all. But, yeah. I, I feel... <laughs> So there's so many of the stories that we tell where we say, well, if it actually happened, yeah. supposedly this happened. Yeah. But they're normally like the really old kind of more like myth legend type stories. But this is a story within From our lifetime. Yeah. And we're like, we still don't know if it actually happened. But it just goes to show how much we now rely on media. Yeah. Like but our electronic devices to give us a certain percentage of truth or something. You I know? will say this, though. What? Having grown up in the 80s, pretty much, I love the future that we're in right now. Parts of it, anyway. I love the the technology right now. I love the fact that pub arguments are now a thing of the past. Um, arguments with my father. No, they still exist. They still exist. And they happen frequently. Yes. but I can You prove- can now bring up Google <laughs> and go, go, look, you're wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, or alternatively, bring up Google and go, Oh shit, Dad's right. But yeah, I That's love yet the to fact happen. that you know, essentially, the Library of Alexandria is in all of our hands all oh. of the time. However, what does make me laugh is that meme that just says, "Hey, remember when we thought that access to information was the reason that some people were kind of ignorant and stupid?" Yep, that wasn't it, because the people who are ignorant and stupid still exist, but they have the same access mostly. You know, I was like, mm. not not everybody. But, you know, we're not exactly an affluent household, and yet, you know, we have devices. And most people now have a smartphone or a computer or access to such. You know. I, I, I'd like to say yes, but there is still many, many areas in this country that do not. There are yeah, still I'm not, people I'm living not saying in... everyone. I'm yeah. just saying, you know, you, you see big issue sellers with smartphones, love, you know. I'm just saying yeah. access to information and the World Wide Web, which is, you know, 
I mean, good Lord, talk about an act of altruism. There's really only the guy that cured polio. He was one of the world's biggest altruists because he could have patented the cure for polio. Oh, but he didn't, did he? And he didn't. He Mm -hmm. wanted to make sure everybody could be polio-free. And and by and large, the world is almost completely polio-free. Yeah. But the the other world's greatest altruist is Sir Tim Berners-Lee, who created the World Wide Web and then went, have it, and just gave it away for free. Which is insane. I mean, his work wasn't, you know, it wasn't created in a vacuum. He didn't just suddenly go, oh, my goodness, I've tapped three keys on my keyboard and the World Wide Web's now a thing. WWW. Yeah. It's a thing. Hypertext transfer protocol was already a thing, which is hyperlinks, click a link, you go to a different page. That was kind of already a thing. So hypertext was a, a thing, but he managed to put it into a form where you would use a browser to then look at a web page on a completely different computer that could be even in a different country, which is how the web works now. Yeah. Chances are, whenever you look at any website, you're not looking at it down the road or in the next room. It's probably over the other side of the planet. It's all still magic. You know that, right? It's totally not magic. But I, I <laughs> find it so difficult to fathom. I actually find it easier just to say, that's magic. I understand that it is science and it is understandable, but I myself can't really get my head around it. So it's magic. Simple analogy. Oh, please. (laughs) You want to do a jigsaw. Somebody in another country has the exact jigsaw you want. Yeah? Right. And you know their phone number. Yes. You ring them up. Yes. They post you the jigsaw. Yes. Piece by piece, each piece separately. What a twat. That I'm not saying they're a nice person. I'm just saying this is what happens. <laughs> you know that a couple of those pieces will get lost <laughs> and return ah, to sender. But that's I'll where the analogy breaks a little 404. bit. That's where the analogy breaks a little bit because even if some of those pieces get lost on the web, the computers have a way of filling in the blanks. So if a piece gets lost, it just goes, well, let's look at the shape of that piece and recreates it for you. Oh, goodness. And that is how all web pages work and YouTube, and everything. I mean, yeah, I get that. But, 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 but that web page isn't jigsaw pieces sent through the post. It, it is. It almost exactly is. Yeah, but I can't fault. It's like, I'll just post my iPad then. I'm like, Here you go. I'll no, it's, it. it's no, not I about know. posting physical things. <laughs> I know. But, but essentially, the electronic relay I breaks understand. up the bits into I understand how I request and, re- and it sends. Yeah. But it is... The- Floating through the air? No, not floating through Zooming the air. Zooming through, through wires? Through the, it only flo- floats through the air at this end. Well, yeah, it's Between still... your iPad and the router. You say it only. The rest of the time, it goes through fibre optics and yes. copper wire for the last mile, usually, of the exchange. Yes, I understand that. Yeah. I also think that's magic because it's just so crazy. But it's not that crazy. The, the basics of it are built it on granted, technology that we've had for centuries. Yeah, but still think about do- think about somebody using a torch to to write out Morse code. Yeah. Okay. That's somebody sending a signal with light. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And they do that by turning the light on and off. Yeah. 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 That's how fiber optics work. But there isn't a pair of eyes at the other end. No, there isn't. There's something at the other end that looks for those patterns of light. <laughs> And transfers it into digital information. I mean, I am partially winding you up. 
Only partially. But only partially, because I still find the whole thing absolutely amazing. Yeah. Well, as somebody who has a computer science degree, I did lots about this. Exactly. I so won't you, but bore like, you with the OSI you already have. seven layer, <laughs> nine layer model, seven layer model. But this oh, is I can't the thing. Remember now. As someone who has spent a long time immersing themselves in it, I yeah. think sometimes when you anything you do, you become a little jaded as to how amazing and wonderful things are. But when I you, don't. When you see something every day, sometimes you do just forget just that little bit how amazing it can seem to somebody else who doesn't come into contact with it yeah, every day. Yeah, I, I, I understand so, what you're saying, but personally, I don't. I still see an iPad and I go, that was science fiction when I was a kid. That iPad that you're looking at right now, that was Star Trek. It, I mean, just the, all that I can was think literally of, like, the only place you would see it was they had a data pad. Like, you know, when you were like a spy running around in the playground yeah. talking into your phone. And I can do that on my watch right, right now. now, exactly. Yeah. And you're like, I can be a spy. I'm James and, Bond. And I, it is something I've never got jaded about. I'm still amazed by the technologies that we have. Yeah, but like the the stuff behind it, you're just like, oh yeah. You're just like, that's how it works. Because you understand, yeah. because you've learnt more. Yeah. Whereas I'm just like, what? Yeah, I, yeah I, I understand what you're saying. So I have an understanding of, of, of the rudiments of how it works. I mean, even I'm like, you know, some of it's beyond me, quite, quite frankly. But I can explain some of the basics. So what if, yeah. while you were playing that game, yes. there was just like that little torch was beep, 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 yeah. little little lights into your eyes in well, this code is, this is subconsciously the thing, telling you to have a stomachache. Yeah, well... Although the, I do think that guy, what was it, 28 hours straight, had a stomachache, probably because he needed a shit from sitting down too long. It's also that apparently during that 28 hours he was drinking an awful lot of Coca-Cola. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Almost continuously. I'm surprised he's not dead. Yeah, I mean, it's like he would have been caffeinated up to the tits. He would have been off the walls. He was like... He was he was caffeinated to craziness, so he would have been like overstimulated, over caffeinated, over sugared. It's amazing he didn't just vibrate through the arcade and tunnel through the floor. Mm. So yeah, stomach ache, not that shocking. Yeah. Although, you know, if he was just drinking loads and loads of Coke, you know what it was. He'd been sitting down, drinking it all. He just needed to fart. I bet he had so much wind inside of him, he could have gone up like a balloon. But yeah, I mean, photosensitive, photosensitive ep- epilepsy is a mm-hmm. thing. You Definitely, know, yeah. Flashing images can cause epileptic seizures. I mean, we yep. had a friend that thought that he might have been, he definitely had seizures, and he thought it might have been photosensitive at one point. But apparently photosensitive epilepsy is actually kind of rare. So I, I don't know what the statistics are on how many people have epilepsy out of a general population. But it's not a huge amount, obviously. Mm-hmm. But also, of the people that have epileptic seizures, the people that are photosensitive, epileptic sensitive, yeah, is like one or two percent of of people who have epilepsy. Right, okay. So it's, it's actually a very small subset. That being said, most consoles now and most modern video games have a thing at the beginning that says, "If you are sensitive to photosensitive epilepsy, blah 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 blah." Do not play this. Consult a doctor. If you feel like you're having a seizure during it, play, stop play immediately, blah, blah, blah. Seek medical help. And, yeah. and they, you know, obviously they have to do that to make sure that they don't get sued. I think but, there are so many more things that are affected or triggered by visual stimuli anyway. Yeah. I think like migraines. Yeah. And, and just 
being sensitive to light or dark or sudden flashes, just being made uncomfortable. Yeah. You don't want to be made uncomfortable while you're playing a game. No. The whole point is to relax exactly. half the time. Sometimes it's to be competitive and, and stressed out. Yeah. I get, but some people are just more sensitive to light and dark. And, you know, we know so much more about different eye conditions as well, yeah. Yeah. you know, and just sort of mental health in general. Yeah. That back then, that was just kind of, I guess, an easy kind of blanket thing to throw out there. But, um, but I'm wondering, because you hear lots of things about, oh, yeah, they, they slipped this image in, in that film or they, you know... Yeah, Fight Club's a lovely, a classic, a classic yeah. example, which is hilarious because oh I think I think the funniest thing about Fight Club is it shows him doing it as a film projectionist, but then it happens in the film it as well. In the film as well. However, in most of the times when you see a little flash of somebody on the screen, it's either Brad Pitt or Ed Norton and one of the crew with their arms around each other or something like that. Uh, so yeah, you, yeah, there isn't the penis inserted into the film generally. Wait, well, there's plenty of places to watch that, love. I really wondered what you were going to say then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so what? It intrigues me because I'm like, what? What were they trying to to do? What were they trying to? Well, it could have been an extension of, to... of something like MK Ultra because MK Ultra, in theory, finished in I think it was 1973. In theory. In theory, but like we but, said. It could, if they you'd could have spent just changed the all project that name. money, yeah. would you just go, okay just go, then guys, put everything yeah. in a box, off we go. Yeah. Do, 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 do. That's it. And I mean, it's like Operation Paperclip, where they recruited Nazi scientists after the war. Apparently it wasn't just Nazi scientists, they were looking at Japanese scientists as well. They were still looking into that kind of thing. Go on, you're busting. Yeah, well, I just suddenly thought, I saw a thing today, but only briefly, but it kind of almost ties in. Yeah. Did you know that for the past year there are a couple of places in England that a humming has yes. risen? I knew and about one. There's, and I there, can't remember where it was. There's one place somewhere, but then I think someone mentioned Brighton as well. And I was like, Oh, I've got a friend in Brighton. Might have to give like you know Give him a shout. Give him yeah. a shout and say, Hey. Yeah. But they have quite bad hearing anyway. So there 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 are there are I don't know. About the UK so much, but there are definitely there have been places in America that have no, this known is, to have had a hum. This is somewhere. This is to do with the UK. Yeah, and I read literally read it yeah, earlier today. I, I read it a couple of days back. And I think, um, about yeah, a similar sort of thing. People have been saying most. I think it's more prevalent in the elderly, but they're saying right, there okay, is this. So that could be a, a pitch thing. Yeah, but I'm wondering, is it? Bear with me on this. Okay. So you know they do that weird pitch thing to get teenagers to, to stop, stop hanging around. Yeah. Do you reckon there's a really intelligent teenager out there who's found whatever it is that's making the noise <laughs> and just flipped it and gone, and gone thank goodness. Right. What noise can we not hear that older people can? Yeah. Let's stop those buggers Make congregating it really and low. getting re- in the way of everything. Yeah. And um, now they're all going, oh my goodness, can you hear that? Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, there are. Because I mean, they have likened you... it to like the white noise of a washing machine. Because there is, there is. I know there's at least one place in America that is known. You know, the, the, I can't remember the name of the town, but it's the whatever the town name is. Hum. Yeah. And there's at least one or two. Because there was one that we were. Oh, I say we were. I was definitely watching something, and it was some kind of paranormal ty- type documentary, 
and it wasn't Hellier, was it? I'm wondering if it was Hellier. Because I think we, because I think we talked about it. Because I started talking about well, when I was young, because mm. I grew up in the Fens, out in the middle of nowhere in East Anglia. Yeah, the noises that you hear out in the Fens because it's so flat and on a like a cold, crisp, like autumn this time of year. Yeah, sound carries for miles. Yeah, but just down the road from us, there was an onion drying shed, and the fans in that. Yeah, like literally, you can they, hear them for miles. You can hear them, but it would because they were so familiar for me. Yeah, they send you to sleep. Filter it out. But like yeah. during the summer, you've got things like irrigators, yeah, like spraying water, mostly done overnight. But they'd also have this the crank pulling them in, so there'd be this kind of creaking every now and again yeah. as the hose is pulled and dragged yeah, through yeah, the yeah. field. You've got bird scarers going off all over the place yeah. at certain times Shotgun. of the year. Yeah, occasionally if there's a shoot on. Yeah. You know, but then like farm machinery, which well, is it's always surprised me how many shot how many gunshots I've heard around here. Because it's been a few since we've lived here. They might not be gunshots though. They might be bird scarers. Yeah, well exactly. But they that is basically a shot, but it's yeah. just a you know It'll be um, a blank or something. Yeah, it is a blank in a little machine shoved out on a field that's just been planted. Yeah. And it is, again, just to Motion scare Motion sensor, bang. Or you can have them timed. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. be like, oh, it's tea time. <laughs> oh, it's three in the morning. Let's set a shotgun shell off. <laughs> no, they're yeah. actually generally during the day. Birds well, no, just... but I've, I've heard a lot of gunshots in the evening around it. I mean, a few of them have been close enough that I've been like, should we be calling somebody? <laughs> well, I mean... We're very close to the edge of Ely and we go straight on to farmland. Yeah. So, no. Yeah, yeah. And if it's just one, it could have been a car backfiring. It could yeah, be all sorts. Could have been. But yeah, the noises that you would hear and like there, there is, apparently there's this whole big thing about the noises in East Anglia that you hear that right. you don't know what they are. They could be this, they could be that. Right. But as someone who grew up in the middle of it, you just didn't. Like people who grew up in it, yeah. they just go, "What are you on about? That's just that's just how it is. You just accept it." Yeah. The same as when you're in the city, you accept the cars going by at all hours of day or night, people standing outside your bedroom window chatting at two in the morning. Yeah, yeah. you know, you know, dogs barking, all, all those things that you take for granted as being just how it is in city. Somebody when you're driving out- past with their bass, making the windows vibrate. Exactly, <laughs> that's it. But in the countryside. You have other stuff. Yeah. And it's my, just... My that- favourite one is, is foxes, because generally vixens scream. They scream. And do you know and what? it sounds awful. And I've if you're heard, not used to it, I've it's heard like, more what foxes in town since I've lived in yeah, town oh, yeah, than, yeah. than I... I don't think I ever heard a fox when I lived in the countryside, and I lived there for the first 18 years of my life. Yeah. Well, I remember when we moved out to a, a little rural village in the middle of Lincolnshire, which, again, very small, surrounded entirely by farmland for a good 30 40 minutes drive on any side yeah and yeah you would hear foxes scream in the night and it was like what the shit is that yeah because they do it sounds very human it is a very human sound yeah but then you've got things like even crows will you know scream and mimic (laughs) things and they really do yeah i'm sure i don't know if i've told the story on here that when our daughter and I went into Cambridge and sat on the the green having a little picnic, yeah, one of the crows had had learnt to honk like a car, yeah, and it was hopping around That's near right. the yeah, path. Yeah, telling me about that. And yeah. it would honk, and people going by would literally leap <laughs> sideways. There was one guy almost <laughs> fell off a bike because <laughs> it it was just like honk. And we, I have a feeling the crow knew exactly, exactly what it was doing, exactly because and was enjoying it, it thoroughly. Was, oh my! We were in hysterics because you've seen how the humans react to this. Honk, honk. honk. I mean, 
we were thoroughly entertained. It, yeah. it was amazing. It was so, so well done. I think we've we've mentioned like the the intelligence of corvids on on the show before, but they're incredible. I mean, they're one of the few animals that pass the mirror test that understand that it's yeah. a reflection and not another animal. They remember faces. They hold grudges. They also congregate when one of them dies. They do have almost like a funeral. funeral. It's not actually a funeral. It's, it's uh, apparently it's more to do its behaviour to do with ensuring that there isn't a predator nearby and that kind yeah, of thing but it, it seems like a little funeral yeah but yeah they remember people and then there's one of my favorite ever memes that i've seen online is the guy that had been feeding crows i think it was maybe their their child had been feeding crows in the garden or something like yeah. that and over the course of two days the crows brought them pine branches with wrinkles pulled over the yes. the pine branches so that they were near the bottom of the pine branch. But they were saying that that's not just generous, that's creative. They've made that's you a gift. art. Yeah. They've seen this shiny thing and gone, well, maybe you can use this twig in your crazy weird looking nest. Yeah. But they've actually gone to the trouble of creating something. That's mind-blowing. There was another story about a girl who'd been feeding crows for a while and they kept bringing her all sorts of stuff. And she ended up with like a gold locket. A little and, collection of all yeah, the shiny. Yeah, stuff they'd found, yeah. yeah. And then recently I read one as well and somebody had been feeding crows for a while and they brought him a dime. They found a coin on the floor and was like, well, there you go, I've paid you for, your, for feeding me. <laughs> Cheers very much. Yeah, but they are. They're really, really quite clever, which is surprising in a lot of ways because their brains are so tiny compared to a lot of other animals, but they're actually smarter than quite a lot of things but then there is that whole thing of just because your brain is tiny maybe they use more of it maybe they use all of their brain well the whole thing about us only using a certain amount of our brain is mostly a myth well yeah because certain parts of it are for certain things yeah but this whole you know you only use 10 percent of your brain that's crap absolute crap it's just it was one of those things that you know that that got out and somebody used it as a I don't know if that was the one that they used as like a teaching tool to show how far these things can go. I've got another one of those. Go on. I randomly, again, reading something, the fact that we swallow eight spiders in our sleep was actually started by a woman to show how quickly false truths can spread on the internet. And she said she's still amazed that 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 is still... still showing it out as truth. Yeah, as factual. Yeah, because spiders like most other creatures on earth want to stay alive want to stay alive (laughs) and they understand that although that kind of big hole that they could quite easily get into is probably quite warm so if your mouth is open when you're asleep you're breathing in and out so they would know not to go near it and also even a fairly small spider you you'd wake up you'd choke you'd you know something would happen (laughs) it's just oh it just makes me go all funny rubbish it's basically. giving me giving me goosebumps yeah and interestingly another one was the whole idea behind the illuminati apparently was made up by a couple of guys who were kind of kind of uh, counterculture revolutionaries so we shall we say along the lines of the people that were really into lsd in the 60s and blah 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 and i can't remember who it was but they did this thing called operation mindfuck an Operation okay. Mindfuck, they made up this thing and they took... Because the, the Bavarian Illuminati existed. There are records of it being yeah. chartered as an organisation. I was going to say, I'm sure that I've seen evidence of it. But that's like 
I think that was like the 1800s, if not earlier. Yeah. And we'll probably do an episode on the Illuminati at some point. But the modern idea that the Illuminati are this overarching secret organization that run the world from behind the scenes and want this new world order thing, that was all made up by this guy for Operation Mindfuck. And again, it's one of those things where he put it out into the world and now has and the world no control over yeah. it whatsoever. So, yeah. Although, maybe that's just what they want you to think. Although I've always <laughs> thought... If there was a secret society running the world... They're doing a rubbish job. You wouldn't know their name. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have heard of them. Like, for example, have you heard of Koch Industries? No. Okay. So Koch Industries... Coke? <laughs> no. K-O-C-H, Koch, okay. like the German name. Okay, no. Koch Industries is one of the... La- I think possibly the largest private company in the world. And you've never heard of it. And I've only heard of it recently. And I've only heard of it because I saw a book about it that I'm probably going to buy and read. (laughs) But basically, the idea is that Koch Industries isn't well known because the people who run it don't want you to know about it. And if they've got money and power, they can make that happen because all their other companies are subsidiaries. Yeah. So, I mean, there is this theory that Basically, there are five corporations in the world that run everything. Pretty much, yeah. I've heard that theory. Yeah. Fugazi, one of my favourite punk bands, did a song called Five Corporations, and it's about that idea. How true it is, I don't know, but you've got to think that... Well, the um, companies that get bigger and bigger and keep buying up people. Yeah. Look at Disney. Yeah. Well, yeah, Disney now own the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Pixar. Pixar. Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. So they've, and they've gathered in. Not only that, Touchstone Pictures is Disney. Right. A lot of people don't know that, but if Disney want to make an adult movie that isn't all fairy tales and stuff, oh. they make it under Touchstone Pictures because then they can separate the two out and yes, go, because... this isn't for kids, this is for kids. And we don't want to associate Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy, Disney. Most Fantastical Place in the World with Touchstone Pictures that make, you know, violent movies or, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that's what they do. But it always makes me laugh because there's a, an episode in 30 Rock where Alex Baldwin, who plays Jack Donaghy, brings out like a, a hierarchy chart yes. of all the companies. Yes. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. And this company owns this and they own that. And then the Shineheart Wig Company owns NBC outright. And it's like a wig company owns the NBC broadcasting company. And I'm like, this is obviously a joke, but actually, is it? Is it? I have is no idea. If I, if I did the genealogy, would it, would it you know, not genealogy, but you know, but you whatever. Know, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I can't oh even God. remember who's at the top. But that's, I think that's when Tracy Jordan wants to make his meat machine thing. And they're basically saying, we have all these other companies yeah. under this one big umbrella company. So we have to see which so one we, we can have put a company it in China that will make this cheaply and then ship it to the US under a delivery company that we also own, blah, blah, blah. But this is how giant corporations end up paying no tax. Yeah. Because they'll ship stuff to themselves and go, well, that's, that's just part of, that's an internal delivery. It's yeah. not. It's between two completely different companies, but because they come under the same umbrella company, and yeah, don't even get me into like stuff like the the Panama Papers and the Pandora Papers and maybe that's a, for a different episode. Yeah, sweetheart. it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 crazy how this stuff works. Really, I feel like we've got off topic. We've got very off topic. But Good. I feel like that's it's been vaguely <laughs> relevant. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> somewhere along the line. 
I mean, um, we've talked a lot less about biscuits in this episode so far than normal, so that's probably a good well, My thing. goodness, do you know what? We haven't mentioned biscuits for ages, and I no. think that's probably why I've felt that something's been wrong. <laughs> I have this vague sense of unease. Yes. As if thousands of biscuits suddenly, suddenly cried, cried out, out and then were silenced. <laughs> <laughs> because I ate them. Yeah. So if this game were a biscuit, oh, it would God. be a mythical jammy dodger that was made with a ginger biscuit and it had chocolate cream in instead of jam i would i would just say it was a, a jammy dodger laced ginger, with ginger dodger laced with lsd or meth or something like that meth. oh my god <laughs> well there you go that's you know that's, it's blueberry I blueberry mean, jam you know we were talking about about Joe Exotic at work today because they're doing a yeah, second series. Yeah, they're doing a series, second series, aren't they? Aren't they? Amazing. And I've said, I, I think it's going to fall a bit flat because the Tiger King came out at the kind of peak of, of lockdown where it everybody even, no, was like, it was like, at the very beginning, really. Please give me something to give watch. Give me something I'm at home crazy and time. mad that is more crazy than the world went, right now. <laughs> yeah. And everybody just went, this is batshit. Bat it's amazing. But, you know, we were talking about the fact that Joe Exotic had. I can't remember how many husbands, but it's at least two, probably least. three, because one died. Yeah, one shot himself, didn't he? And then he took his prospective next husband to the funeral. Yes. And then when he got married to that guy, had the one who's died's mother at the wedding, yeah. if you remember. It was so weird, wasn't it? And then it? at least one of them turned out not to be gay. He was, yeah. you know, because then he ended up with a girl, with didn't he? With the girl, in the, in didn't the, When yeah. they did the kind of the catch-up bit. He turned out not to be gay at all, just apparently gay for meth and tigers, which is like, okay, what? sure. I mean, you do you. I've, I've got no judgments. You do what you like. Yeah. But yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a whole, whole heap of batshit. And I am quite curious to see what happened. Apparently one of the zookeepers had died from an overdose, so I'm not sure Aww. who that was. I have a feeling they might have touched on it in the, in the kind of catch up thing. Wasn't that? Wasn't the catch-up thing done by like Joel McHale from Community as well? There was or am a catch-up thing. Some... Yeah, they, did they... you watch something without me? No, there was a Tiger King thing where they basically went back afterwards and interviewed some of the people because there was oh, the yeah. there was the I think they might be a trans man now, but at the time I think they were still in transition. Talked or... about as female, basically, but the 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 keeper lost that lost the arm. the arm, yeah, yes, because um, I remember them interviewing them and. The the other guy who lost both his legs. My goodness! I mean, there's, there's like yeah, there's literally arms and legs all there's, over the there's at least two keepers that lost three limbs between them, and then went, yeah, I'll still work with tigers. Why not? The thing is, fair play to them because it's not the tiger's fault at all. Well, no, it's yeah. I mean, it's you, anytime you work with animals like that, it's like the guy who reared a hippo, isn't it? I, I, oh I don't yeah, know I think you told me about, about that. that. But yeah, he reared a hippo from it being a baby, and six years later, it dragged him into the river and mauled him to death. And people were constantly saying, "You can't tame hippos; it does not work." People have tried, people have died, and he was like, "No, no, this is different. This hippo loves me," and it pulled him into the river and killed him. So yeah, you it's, know, there's a, there's a very fine line between nature and nurture. Yeah, but it's very blurred as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, but it, it just goes to show that maybe some animals can't be tamed. And I think tigers are one of them. I mean, bloody hell, you know, 
our cat has a pop at us every now and again and she's lived with us for 14 years. Oh my goodness. Her claws at the moment are like needles. Yeah. And like I scratched a bit of her back the wrong way the other day without realising it and or knowing how and she turned around and had a swipe at me. So, yeah. Yeah, her, like, imagine her, but the size of the sofa. Well, just, <laughs> yeah, with murder claws that, well, I mean, you know, that, as it, long it, as your fingers. The thing is, though, yeah, that's if you if you sized her up, that's how big they would be. Yeah. But, yeah, no. As much as I want to go over there and go, let me, let me give you a little belly a tip, I yeah. don't think I would have. I've, I would love to have a cat where I could smush my face into their belly and just go, but... We did. Yeah. Well, I, I used to do that to Bob all the time. Did you? Yeah, it was no, amazing. I, I did. That's a shame. <laughs> I think you did once. Maybe. I have a feeling he kind of went for me, though, because I've, I've done stuff like that to him before where I, I smushed my hand on his belly and just jiggled yeah. him around, and then he went... You iron fingers, love. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So, I think it didn't exist. Do you think so? Yeah. I'm possibly along those lines as well, but mm. maybe there's somebody out there who knows differently. Maybe there is. And if there is and you listen to this, please get in touch yeah, and let we, us know. Yeah, we do have a lot of listeners know. in America now. But um, but yeah, no, I I think it sounds very much like Kurt Collar made it up and did it as a let's bring uh, traffic to the website kind of thing such to a earn pity. ad money or whatever. But like I say, there's there's a, the Stuart Brown, I think his name was, who literally did a documentary about it. Yeah. And he was like, there is literally nothing about it on the internet before 2000, uh, before that article, basically. Yeah. So, you know, there were apparently people talking about it in Usenet groups, but there's nothing in the Usenet archives. There's, you know, people have searched Unless like the internet way back machine. removed. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, that's that's... That's always the easy out with conspiracy yeah. theories, though, isn't it? It's like, oh, well, it's been covered up. But they cleared up. up after themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they purged all references to it from the internet and then edited Wikipedia. But, yeah, it's a very easy out for a lot of conspiracy theories. Is just, oh, well, it's been covered up. Which isn't to say that some conspiracy theories aren't real. MKUltra happened. We know that. We, there were documentation. Yeah. So that, that was proven. And, you know, people have come forward that, had experiences with it and, you know, they, they followed the work of the doctors that were involved and blah, blah, blah. So stuff like that does happen. So I've got a question for you. Okay. What's the longest you've played a game without stopping, like without getting up to get food, go to the toilet or, you know, anything like that? Probably not that long, to be honest with you. Probably like four hours. However, me and I think two or three other friends... This is back in the days of the Mega Drive, or for our American friends, the Sega Genesis. There was a weird little platformer, kind of, it's difficult to describe, basically a platformer with kind of puzzle elements, a little game called Wiz and Liz. And it was a wizard, and Liz was a witch, and you could play as either. And basically, you would run around and you'd defeat enemies, and sometimes when the enemies died, they would drop a piece of fruit. And... We sat down and fig- and then basically what you would do is you would collect the different pieces of fruit, take them back to your cauldron, put them in, and that would create a new spell, yeah. I think, or an effect of some kind. And we sat down and figured out how many permutations there were because you could put, I think, three pieces of three or four pieces of fruit in at a time. Right. And there was X amount of 
different types of fruit. Yeah. And we sat down and figured it out. And <gasps> we wrote them all out. And we hired that game yeah. from Blockbuster. Wow. Okay. So this is now showing my age. And we went through all the permutations in about a 24 to 36 hour period where we literally just blitzed it, took it in turns, played like an hour or two each and then swapped and somebody else would have a go. Yeah. And the others would go, right, now you need to find a lemon and a, and a cherry or something yeah. like that. And we went through and we created every possible permutation from the fruit in about a, about a 24, 36 hour period <laughs> and then took it back. And then did you get a stomach ache or? Uh, no, I don't remember anybody getting anything. Although to be fair, you were, seemed very organised there, taking your turns, having yeah. your little breaks. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, organized you know, it wasn't everybody just like sitting in front of it. No, I've never done this kind of long stint thing. There's been days off where I've played games for a good chunk of the day. Yeah. But um, not like, you know, the guys in China and Korea and stuff that have died in internet cafes because they haven't taken a a drink or a piece of food and have just played for like 72 hours straight without sleep. And then they die. And it's like, yeah, your body can't handle that. That You are not supposed to do that. I played Fallout for six hours once. And yeah. I think you left for work. I was yeah. like, oh, I'll just have a little go on this. <laughs> Sitting there in my pyjamas, yeah. playing. And I suddenly thought, oh, I'm feeling a bit hungry. Yeah. Looked at the clock and I think it was like half past two, three o'clock. Yeah. And I'd sat there since you left. Yeah. And not got up. And not, not got done, up and done And anything. then went, okay, I think yeah. I'm going to go get dressed and maybe have some breakfast, lunch. <laughs> some, some brunch. No, it wasn't, well, it wasn't brunch because it was after lunchtime. So it was more like a lee. Lina, Lana, lunch and dinner, yeah, tea know. and I don't know, just mix it all together, just yeah. have some food in the afternoon. Yeah. Afternoon tea. <laughs> what about second lunch? That's it. I had second lunch, but it was the first meal of the day. I don't yeah. know. Um, Technically breakfast, basically. There you go. But yeah, that, that was kind of the longest. I'd, and That's never going to happen again, no. is it? Let's well, sit. Neither, neither of us have... Six, six hours, hours straight. that we can just sit down and play video games anymore. That's I mean. when I try and sleep. And even that, sometimes six <laughs> hours is, is wishful thinking. Yeah. No, I mean, the longest I've played recently was when I was playing with my friend from work and we played Dark Alliance. Yeah. And I think one night we did two. Each level as such was broken up into three acts. And one night we did two of them. And it was quite a kind of punishing game a lot of the time it was just like if an enemy hit you that was it you were dead and the other one had to either revive you or if you both died you went back to the beginning of the level and started again and we did two levels one night and i think that was we finished at about one in the morning and we'd started playing at 10 so 10 11 12 1 so that was three hours and that's that's about the longest i've played for for a while so what do you think? Do you think Polybius existed or do you think it was just a hoax or an urban legend or I don't Fairies. know. Fairies? Yeah, maybe. Also, what's your favourite video game? Let us know. Give us give us a little tinkle. And here's how you can do that. Ooh. Not like that. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, matron. If you want to get personal, okay. you can email us. Ooh. Storiesofstrangeness at gmail.com. 
if you are an exhibitionist, Absolutely. you can... Please don't send us anything. <laughs> no, not like that. No, I mean, I meant we don't they... want photos of stuff. No, what I meant was they can talk to us on Facebook so other people can join in too. I'm not sure that's an exhibitionist you're thinking no, of, my maybe love. I think not. that's a more a conversationalist. <laughs> Good God, your meetups must be interesting. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um... Yes, so... <laughs> Facebook.com slash stories of strangeness. That takes you to the page. There is a join group I'm button so sorry. there. You can chat to us on the group. Zoe's lost the plot, but it's... never mind. Oh, yeah, it's been a long day. We also have an Instagram account. Instagram.com slash stories of strangeness. If you want to have a look... Oh, my God, why do I sound like a robot? If you um... want to have a look. <laughs> Exterminate. <laughs> I saw this amazing thing. Oh God, someone, here we had, go. someone had done a crossword puzzle. Oh, yeah, and it's every <laughs> answer was exterminated. It was crossword puzzle for Daleks. But it was literally every question. Every, every question, every the answer was exterminate. But, but my favourite one was the last one, question, just which said, just said exterminate. exterminate. <laughs> like exterminate question mark. Exterminate. You can say what you like about the internet, but it is quite a giving tree. Anyway, yes, uh, we have a website. We do. Um, you Lord. can find all kinds of rubbish, yeah. um, madness, and yeah. And when I get a chance to update it more, I'll put more stuff on there. But it is www.storiesofstrangeness.com. And if you would like to support our crazy venture, oh, there Lord. are a couple of ways you can do that. Yes, we have a Redbubble account yep. where you can find our logo and various other illustrations on all sorts of bits and bobs. Yep. And to find that, you go to Redbubble and search Zoe and Mike, all yeah. one word. We also have a Patreon account. We do. And for £1, I believe, a, a month. month, that's yep. the first tier, you will get a shout-out shout out on the show and our undying appreciation. But tier two takes us up to... £3 a month. And for £3 a month, you get a heap Tons of, stuff. of extra content. You get entire archive of minisodes outtakes some time-lapse videos of art that we've done for redbubble and at least one maxisode actually one full-length episode there's a really big one isn't there and actually just to say our last minisode which was on erwin saunders the youtube pixie hunter is free to everybody so if you want to take a sample of what our patreon content is like you can listen to that episode minisode absolutely free yeah, so go check that out. I'm guessing they can find a link somewhere. Yeah, probably show notes maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, they're normally around. Yeah, show notes. Just a Instagram torch bio. flashing in the night. I don't yeah. know. Instagram bio, show notes, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, do. Yeah. Whew. Have we got a fun fact today? Oh, God, you want more from me? No. This is a really weird one. And I don't know, other people might go, uh, duh, Zabby, come on. But I have been using the word jealous incorrectly for, I'm sure, my entire life. So, Mike, would you tell us the correct use of the word jealous? So there's jealousy and envy. Yes. And most of the time, people use jealousy wrong when they mean envy. So jealousy involves you being frightened that somebody could take something away from you. So if you say, I'm jealous of that guy because i think he might steal you away from me that is jealousy that's fine so in relationships and things like that often it is used correctly however if you say i've just bought this great new thing and i go oh i'm so jealous no i'm not because you're not going to take anything away from me 
I'm not jealous, I'm envious. So envy is where you desire something that somebody else has. Mm. So like coveting your neighbour's ox, for example. (laughs) That's what it says in the Bible. But then didn't we kind of, we talked about it a bit and said, well, maybe people go, oh, I'm so jealous because originally you weren't supposed to say, oh, I'm so envious because it was one of the seven deadly sins. So that may be how it sprung up. Yeah, but using jealousy as as a kind of loophole. Yeah, so but I was incorrectly. I was kind of surpri- nice, intrigued, n- intrigued, nicely yeah. surprised by that little nugget of information. So yes. thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, with that, I'm going to go and have a nap. Yeah, <laughs> or, or record a minisode. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen next? Probably so. a nap. So with that being said, it is now time to sign off. Wish you a good morning, a good day, a good evening, good night, whatever is applicable, and. Goodbye. Ta-ta. Bye. Love you.